Welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. It's episode six. Steve Bamford here from Golf Betting System. We're talking the 2017 US Open or the United States Open Championship to give it its full title. Second major championship of 2017, and we just love the majors at Golf Betting System. Resident guest Barry O'Hanrahan from a Good Talk Spoiled Golf podcast is with me. How are you, Barry? Good evening to you. Hi, Steve. Good evening. I'm very excited for this week. It's been a while since the Masters, but uh, we're, we're, we're game on now for the, the real high, high part of the season. Lots of big tournaments, and this is, this is one of my favourites. Do you find the US Open, you know, if you were to rank the four majors, does this come close to the top or the bottom, or is it? Do you find it better than the PGA Championship, for example? It depends on how many of my bets are in the rate at the hunt come Sunday evening. <laughs> Simple <laughs> as that, isn't it? But like, oh, my, I don't like ranking the majors because you ask me at a different time of year, I'll give you a different answer as to which is my preferred event. So. Uh, It'll chop and change between the Masters, the US Open and the Open Championship um, and it will literally, they will each take top spot the week or two before each of them. So um, yeah, I'd, I'm going to uh, not answer that question by answering it in a weird way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I love the I love the different challenges they've been putting out in recent years. Um, I like what the USGA are trying to do and they're particularly changing up the tees, trying to visit non-traditional venues and then, I suppose, in modern terms, they're non-traditional. But like when they went to Pinehurst, there they went. You know, Pinehurst was restored to what it was like back in the day. So you could argue they're actually gone back to a traditional venue of the U.S. Open. So I like that they're changing it up, and they're not presenting the same challenge year in year out. And, and that's that's really interesting. Um, so you're not going to get the same archetypal player winning year after year or doing well. It's uh, it takes a whole load of skills all pulled together in the mm-hmm. one week to win this tournament and that's what's um that's a really fascinating thing about this event for me and half the battle you're absolutely spot on half the battle with the US Open you know Open Championship even you know the PJ Championship is these courses all differ clearly they all have a rotor system and it's getting your head around the course getting your head around the conditions um, getting your head around is it going to play firm is it going to be soft how's the wind going to be all of these factors to shape your selections I, I find it um, you know with the Masters it can be a, a lot more one dimensional because clearly same course each year you kind of know exactly what um, skill sets players need and it, in a way it makes the Masters maybe slightly easier in terms of you know picking some players that are going to contend these majors, especially the U.S. Open, I, f- I find a, it's a it's a real riddle each and every year. Something to something to look forward to. I'll just mention some uh, some key um, points at the top of the show just for uh, podcast listeners. Of course, GolfBettingSystem.co.uk. This week we have a full uh, betting preview. Um, we've also got our. Um, our, uh, our US Open predictor model, which is our predictors have been running really well recently, it has to be said. Picked up Daniel Berger again last week at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He was uh, in the top seven of my pre- uh, prediction model that I published. Um, also, of course, if there's new listeners, uh, you can uh, you can catch up with both myself and Barry. I'm available at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Barry's available at a good talk golf on Twitter. That's his handle. And there is also the Golf Betting System Facebook group, which uh, I'll put links through uh, to all of these details below the podcast if you're actually listening through Podbean. Okay. Where should we start? 2017 US Open. I'll quickly go through bookmaker offers this week and just off. Mike, uh, Barry and I have just been discussing, I've never known a US Open with such um, brilliant betting terms. Now, the US Open of the four majors is usually the tightest in terms of bookmaker offers. So traditionally, up until a couple of years ago, a lot of the bookmakers were holding on at five places each way. Some would push the boundaries and go six. But this year, it's pretty mad. It has to be said, Skybet... Paddy Power and Coral have all gone eight places each way, a 50-odd. So I've never seen anything like that. None of the bookmakers currently are offering five places each way. At least they've gone six places in the quarter odds. There's a few uh, few around at seven places of 50-odds. But yes, 
you can get eight places of 50 odds. Uh, sorry, a fi- yeah, a 50 odds at Coral, uh, Skybet, and also Paddy Power. And that can help to shape your selections this week. Because at the end of the day, when you're being offered such great each-way terms... Now, if you can pick a 66 to 1, an 80 to 1, a 150 to 1 place runner, you know, you're making more money than backing one of the market leaders and him winning at Dustin Johnson at the moment is 8 to 1 available. Um, I'll quickly run through the prices at the moment at the top of the market for you. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night over here in the United Kingdom. Although Barry's over in Dublin, but we won't get into the technicalities of it. But Dustin Johnson, uh, best price is eight to one. Rory McIlroy, fourteens. Jason Day, fourteens. There is a little, and I mean a smidgen of sixteen to one about Jordan Smith. Spieth. Then we go John Rahm at twenty twos. Ricky Fowler, a smidgen of twenty fives. Justin Rose, 25s. The Masters champion, Sergio Garcia, at 25s. Then the likes of Adam Scott at 33s with Henrik Stenson, Hideki Matsuama, Justin Thomas. And then a little bit lower down, Brooks Koepka at 45 to 1. Brandon Grace at 50s. Thomas Peters at 50s. You can back Phil Mickelson at 50 to 1 if you're taking a punt that he's actually going to play. And then we're out to the likes of 55 to 1 bar on Kevin Kisner and Alex Narenz, also available at 55 to 1, as is Paul Casey. Okay, Erin Hills. I've nattered on for far too long, Barry. What's, I mean, you and I have been looking at this over the, you know, from the middle of last week. What's, it, what's your take on Erin Hills, the way it's going to play, um, the challenges it's going to offer up? What do you think about the weather that's forecast? And also, where do you think the target winning score is going to kind of be? What's your gut feel around it? Oh, um, Okay, from a purely visual point of view, let's start from there, because that's how I kind of see... Uh, that's how I approach a golf course. And, and, and having not seen this before, all we could go on is pictures and the very nicely done flyovers they have on their website. Yeah. Um, and just the, the impression I got from it um, was that I might feel a little bit uncomfortable on it if I was playing it. And the reason for that is that I have a fade ball flight and it felt to me like somebody who has a right to left or draw ball flight, this course would favour them. There's, they, it felt like there were more tee shots that, that a draw shape for a right-hander would suit a lot, uh, a lot more. Um, th- and then you know, adding into that, looking at the wind direction, it being mostly... I'm trying, you know, trying to look for a, an angle here, but it's from the west and yeah. southwest. Yeah, um, the course is designed, I believe. What Paul was saying, it's a, a northwesterly direction. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so the prevailing here, northwesterly yeah. to north. Yeah, so it's a little bit off what it's been designed for, and it does look like the with the west to southwest direction that the opening few holes will be actually pretty tough. It's going to be. It looks like a tough enough start to the the tournament. You're yeah. playing a, a few, two or three holes in uh, into a, an into and off the left wind for right handers, which is yeah. Um, in theory, the hardest. So if you can hit a draw into those first few holes, it just gets you a good start to the tournament. You don't knock yourself out of it early on. And if you can get through those first few holes, and I think in level par, you'll be a very happy person. Maybe even one over will be a good score for those first few holes to get started. Um, I, to fair, okay, so we've all seen, the at this stage, we've all seen the videos about the crazy rough to the sides of the gut, the holes. Um, I'm sure most people have seen the Kevin Na Instagram where he's giving out about it. And um, I do think that it's, whilst that's brutally punishing, it is, I mean, it's almost a case of you're taking an unplayable eye and dropping out from there rather than trying to escape with a swing. Yeah. Um, it must be said that to get into that, you're going to have had, have to have hit a very wayward shot because the fairways here are about what 45 to 50 yards wide on average well i've guesstimated yeah that is true it's not a it's not an official statistic but mm. i heard i read an interview with mike davis who is the executive director of the usga so effectively as we know he calls the shots he decides where it's going to be played and he decides exactly how course are going to be set up and he quoted that um, 
in on average they're going to be double the size of Oakmont in terms of their width. So I averaged it out at 42 yards across the golf course and 52 yards wide on some of the holes. They really are runway wide kind of fairways. The only course I found that matches up anywhere close to that is Kapalua down in Hawaii. You know the opening event of the year? Yeah, yeah. They are very, very, very wide fairways. Now, and I, I'm going exactly down the same line as you. Um, you always get this at the US Open. You know, there's people waist deep in vegetation. Oh, my God, it's going to be an absolute disaster, you know. And it's true. If you put your ball in there, it is going to be a disaster. It's going to be unplayable, and, and you're, you're, you're ratchet, ratcheting up big numbers. But the fact of the matter is, you know, let's look for players who aren't going to try and hit that grass. Because if you're a plotter and you're a guy that's hitting the ball really well at the moment and is, you know, adequately long, bearing in mind that these fairways, they reckon, are going to be very, very bouncy. And they reckon they reckon some of the... I read today, actually, on the Facebook group, someone on there said that they reckon they're going to be running, if it doesn't you know, really hammer down with rain, they're going to be, going to be running at 10 on the stimp. That's the, that's the fairways. Fairways, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's madness. And when you read Mike Davies, he's always saying, oh, you know, everyone keeps referring to this as a Lynx-type test, but it really isn't. It isn't a Lynx-type golf course. Well, if you look at it, the fairways are fescue. Well, most open championship courses are fescue. Um, and yes, you're not going to be able to kind of, you know, shoot low, you know, ch- uh, low chip and runs in and all this kind of, you know, old style links golf. But there's no doubt that the look of the course, the way that the bunkers are harsh uh, and the fact that it's fescue, it's going to run really quick. That has to point to a player that can play well by the sea on a genuine fe- on a genuine links course, actually finding it, I wouldn't say comfortable, but bearable around here, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think, um, I like listening to Mike Davis a lot. It's very obvious that he thinks a huge amount about the game and, you know, no decision he makes seems to be taken lightly or without um, a lot of consideration. And I think him not call- avoiding calling this a links test is more in deference to true links courses which are technically by the sea and this this absolutely has a lot of looks and hallmarks of link style golf whilst not being strictly a links golf course he Um, he's he's calling it a heartland golf course i've also seen it referred to by a couple of american players as a inland links golf course and when, when i've thought about it and when i've discussed it with you and i've discussed it with paul Paul said to me he sees a little bit of um, the, the Golf National in it. It's, it's you know that's an inland links, isn't it, on the European mm. tour where they're playing the um, Ryder Cup. I've seen a lot of references to Whistling Straits, which is an hour down, you know, an hour's drive away, which they play on the lakes of Lake Michigan. They, there are a lot of players say that you know that the the fact that a lot of the approach shots are blind. There's a lot of these big sand dunes. And a lot of blind tee shots. They say it's very, very whistling straights like. And you and I have all already said that we think there's a bit of Kapalua in there. You know, these great, you know, a lot of uphill shots, downhill shots, wide fairways. Um, they also say, and this is one of the reasons that Mike Davis selected this golf course, is because it's in the middle of um, Wisconsin, they call it Kessel Moraine topography. It's very flat around there, but this actual golf course has got lots of undulations. It's an old glacier bed, they reckon, that's basically they built the golf course on. He said um, that even a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind around here really does start to cause problems because there, there's absolutely nowhere to hide. There are, there's virtually no trees on the property. Mm-hmm. So it's very windswept. So I'm looking for wind players uh, or win positive players, and they, they they another thing that grabbed me was that a lot of the fairways are so uneven, a lot of sloping fairways, and that reminds me actually a little bit of Augusta. The fact that the greens aren't surrounded by rough reminds me of Augusta because all eighteen of these greens they've got no surrounding rough. It's all of these shaved, closely mown areas, so you're going to see a lot of shots hitting the green, but then falling off the green. And then that creates a problem for players. And Mike Davis has mentioned this in lots and lots of interviews. He loves these courses where 
Uh, and this is, like you said, it's kind of a new style of United States Open where they can put the ball back on the green, they can chip the ball back on the green. Um, there's, there's different ways of recovering your shot and actually creating this scenario with players where they've got three options to do the same thing. Lots of players absolutely hate that. So it actually opens yeah. it up to creative golfers. And again, that points in a way towards Lynx-style golfers who can you know, do various different shots to, to the same effect when it comes to scrambling. Mm, or a bit of imagination, yeah. I mean, you he, that, that's one of his key things, Mike Davis is always on about give it, presenting options to players. And uh, yeah, a little bit of creativity and imagination will go a long way here. I, mean, I guess the reason why we can't really put our finger on what style of golf course this is is because how many golf courses do we talk about that have been built on land that's been excavated by a <laughs> glacier? And not the, uh, by all accounts, they didn't touch the topography too much when they were making this. Um, so look, it's uh, it's going to take a, a lot of different factors and we know that you, your game, pretty much all aspects of your game have to be firing uh, to win a US Open. Um, but with the uneven lies, I think, um, yeah, just a lot of creativity and shot making. There is a little bit of wind forecast as well. So um, I think... Uh, yeah, it's not the kind of forecast where you think, my God, you know, it's, it's going it's to be howling 50 miles an hour winds. No. Although they reckon over the weekend it's been blowing 30 to 35. So that'll be that's interesting because you've got a lot of players up there that have got there early and they've been playing that golf course. I know it'll be softer than they probably it's going to be, but they've been playing that in really windy conditions. So that could work in their favour when mm-hmm. the winds when the wind actually starts to die down. But a couple of things I'll quickly mention: pure bent grass greens, and they reckon that the putting surfaces are beautiful. And I've read Mike Davis say this, and Justin Rose mentioned it in a tweet the other day. He reckons tons of putts are going to be made because the bent grass greens are just so, so pure. So, you know, bear that in mind when we're talking target score. And the other thing I think is really noteworthy here is, and this again goes back to the wind, if you look at this wind from the west and the southwest, it isn't in the direction that the uh, the Hudson, Fry and Vitten the uh, the guys that or it was two lady uh, two guys and a lady actually that designed the course. This isn't the prevailing wind, and when you look at it, and we've we've looked at this. Paul Williams, our European tour experts, looked at this as well. We think that maybe two, if not even three, of the par fives might not be reachable in two shots to the to the actual majority of the field. Even the bombers are going to struggle on two of them mm. because they're playing into they're effectively playing into into a headwind on two of the four. And like we've said as well with these courses, and there is some serious um, serious fescue there, is it actually worth taking the risk on some of these par fives? Because you could end up shooting nine. Yeah, do you, is there an argument to be made mm. for Zach Johnsoning your way around them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is yeah, it. So there, let's, yeah. cut to the, let's cut to the quick. You did answer the, the last question. What do, you, what, what do you think the winning score is going to be? With all this in mind, all we've read, our gut feel, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with six under par. Six, okay. One, one and a half shots a day. I, I think, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm going with that. I don't need to give a reason. <laughs> no, that's with, fine. No, 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 no. You're probably right. Just for listeners, just uh, Dustin Johnson won at four under. That was with a stroke penalty last year. Uh, that was Oakmont. Uh, Jordan Spieth won at five under at Chambers Bay. A lot of people said, and a lot of the players said this, that they thought this would be like Chambers Bay. But the more I read about it, the more they reckon it isn't like Chambers Bay. Yes, it's long. Um, yes, there's lots of very uh, you know, topography-dominated um, holes. But from what I'm reading, it's nothing like Chambers Bay, potentially. And Martin Keimer won at nine under at Pinehurst number two. Now, he won at nine under. The rest of the field were at one under. That's how well Martin Kimer played that week. But my gut feel is, I mean, we go back to Merrion, Justin Rose. He was one over. And Webb Simpson was one over when he won in 2012 um, at the Olympic Club. My feel is that this is going to be a little bit more scorable than we've seen of late. So I would not be surprised. Yeah, six under maybe. I think maybe six to eight under will be the winning score this year. And actually, you think, well, why is he wittering on about the winning score? Well, if you think about it, 
the winning score and how harsh the test is going to be starts to either rule in or rule out a lot of players. And I think the easier the scoring becomes, and eight under, actually, if you look at it recently, a lot of the PGA Tour events have been around eight, nine, ten under mm-hmm. in terms of their winning score. And I think that's a good that's a good marker for me this week in terms of you know who to rule in and who to rule out. Um, I also think, and I pray that this ha- happens. There is there are, there is thunderstorms forecast tonight uh, on Wednesday. I just hope it doesn't absolutely hammer down because this golf course, firm and fast, is going to be well worth watching. And again, the firmer it is and the faster it is, I think that rules out more players. Yeah, definitely. Right, I'm going to quickly whiz through the top of the market, um, and I'm going yay or nay on this. Um, <laughs> Good, I like that. Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. Why not? Um, Dustin Johnson, he's eight to one. Now, a couple of months ago, you'd have said the guy would walk it, but he's a no for me this week. What do you think? I agree. Miss Cush, uh, Paulina is having baby by C-sections today, so he might have done his prep, but he'll be a little bit distracted and probably, um, yeah, I don't know. He's just, I don't, I don't think so. Like I said, two months ago, yes. Right now, no. This is from my preview that I released today, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. These are the words that I put on here. Uh, it also looks like we can take on the favourite this week, number one, world number one, Dustin Johnson. Only Tiger Woods has won this ranked uh, number one in the world since 2000. And only one player has defended the US Open since 1945, that being Ben Hogan in 1951. Yeah, and I... I I think Dustin, I think he's starting to feel the pressure slightly of being world number one. So he's a definite no for me, Dustin Johnson. Next up is Rory McIlroy. He's a no. He's a no for me. Yeah, my, my, my conspiracy theory on Rory is that he wasn't injured. He just went off to get his equipment dialed in. Um, it's very convenient timing that he's back just right now for this week. Um, yeah. So it's either he, was, he wasn't injured at all and he's just already and set to go. Yeah. Or he was injured, and he might still be carrying a small ending niggle on that. It would be if he was injured and he's coming back bang on time. It would be very good timing and lucky and happy days if that's the case. But uh, I think he's got his uh, one of the spider putters in his hands this week. Um, yeah, I think I think he'd be there, but I think he might fade away and not be able to last. Uh, the entire tournament for I mean, a lack of a little bit of sharpness. Or, yeah, he's a little bit undercooked, isn't he? He just isn't playing enough at the moment. Yeah, but he is. Uh, he's a spectacular talent, and if he was, uh, if he was holding up the trophy at the end on Sunday, it wouldn't. I don't think anybody would bat an eyelid. I think if this golf course was going to play really soft, I think he'd be right in the mix. But firm and fast, it just doesn't feel Rory to me. But you know, we we'll, we we'll, we we'll, we'll get shot down, don't we? Next up, uh, we've. Got looking at odds checker, although 16 to 1 is available. Um, Jordan Spieth next up, anywhere between 12 and 16 to 1 with William Hill, if you're very quick. Um, no for me on Jordan, did have a close look. Yeah, okay. My biggest problem is I'm an emotional gambler and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Spieth, so I actually think he's one of the most tenacious and uh, tenacious golfers around and he fights and battles just as well as anybody out there if not better so in a test like the US Open I think he's always going to be sniffing around the place and he's been showing a bit of form recently so he actually you know seems like a pretty he seems like he could be there but he's not getting my money this week because uh, I wouldn't get as much satisfaction out of backing him for a win as I would somebody else Modern so they, day, modern day Jack Nicholas, Jordan Spieth. That's my completely irrational reason for avoiding him. <laughs> I just don't think he's hitting enough greens. That's that's my view. And when I've looked at the previous winners here, they've all been hitting tons of greens before they arrive. All of them. Okay. And and he about, isn't. What, it, what about the year he won in Augusta playing Terry? You know, he was his short game is amazing though. You know, we know you're going to need a pretty sharp short game here. And somebody who can scramble a putt really well. Oh, I'm not saying he won't feature. I'm just saying he won't win. Yeah, you don't like him either. It's okay. <laughs> it's well, I, I've tipped him up about 43 times this year, and every time he does nothing. And then, and then the week I didn't tip him up at Pebble Beach, he walked it. But 
Yeah, okay. I don't, uh, there's just something missing slightly for me with Jordan Spieth. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the number that, that I'm working on this week. This is, this is what I'm basing a lot of my assumptions around. Eight of the last ten winners of the US Open in their previous appearance have ranked in the top ten for all round on that particular appearance, yeah? So that's 80% of the winners. Now, Jordan Speed doesn't appear in that. Even though I think he was second at Colonial the other day and blah, 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 blah he just isn't hitting enough greens and his all-round numbers are rubbish. So that, so he's ruled out for me. The guy that I do fancy, the guy I do fancy in the big four, if you like, I know Matsuama is actually ranked above Jordan Speed, but if you look at the big four, the guy that I fancy this week and I'm putting some money on him. Two, I've gone two and a quarter points on him each way. Jason Day at 14 to 1. And if you look at Jason Day, he was 12th in all round at the Memorial a couple of weeks ago. And even though that's his home course, and you and I discussed this in the last podcast, even though it's his home course, he can't get around there. And he admits mm-hmm. it. He hates the place. Outing before that, TPC Four Seasons... Of course, he can get around, and yes, he does have a predominant fade. I get that, but he can move the ball both ways. Um, he finished in a playoff, didn't he, with Billy Horschel? And if you look at Day's numbers, he's hitting. Um, he's um, he's doing really well with a putter. His scrambling's good, and for him, he's hitting a lot of greens. For him, um, and I also noted that. With his wedges at the moment, anything from 75 to about 125 yards, he's very, very accurate with his wedges. So if you can't reach the par fives in two, yeah, he's got a wedge game at the moment that's going to give him some confidence that he can get the ball close. Yeah. On top of that, I think he ranks seventh on tour, even though he's been struggling this year. Yeah, He's seventh on tour for greens in regulation of approach shots over 200 yards. And that, for me, is a key this week. There's a lot of long par threes. If you're going to go for it in two, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some serious 240, 230 approach shots. So that so means for- he's, hit, he's hitting his five and his six irons pretty well. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, one of the things I like what he's been doing recently, he's been showing some signs of really good golf. The, the thing that really stands out for me is that he, out of his six appearances in the US Open, Five of them he's had top tens, and yeah. three of those five have been a second, a second, and a fourth, which okay. shows that this guy can adapt to pretty much any test you throw in front of him. So, um, and you know yeah, what we were saying about whistling combination? Exactly, it's perfect. Now you know what we were saying about whistling straights. Well, he he was tenth there back in twenty ten. That was the year that uh, was it twenty ten. Yeah, it was Martin Kime won. He was tenth that year, and that was one of I think it was his first major championship or something, or first major top ten. And then, of course, 2015, he goes and wins the USPGA Championship at Whistling Straits. Mm-hmm. So you can see where I'm heading with all this. Loves Wisconsin. Um, plays well at places like Torrey Pines. Another long, long par 72. And he just seems to be trending in the right direction. And you could say, yes, Steve, you've said all this. You know, 8 out of 10 in the all-round have been in the top 10. But he was 12th. Yeah, well, you've got to give and take a little bit. I mean, and I've been... In the past, I've been so data-driven with my selections that I would have just I would have scrapped him straight away. But no, he's in. Here's he was- another. Here's another one for you though. On a hard, firm, and bouncy Pinehurst number two for the U.S. Open in 2014, he was tied fourth, yeah. and that was with greens that were shaved around the sides, yeah. inviting you to play creative chip shots and putts yeah. and uh, short game shots. So he's. He's got he's got everything you need to to yeah. to win this tournament, and, and he, he hasn't done to, too badly at Augusta either, is he? <laughs> no, not at all. And so, of those top four, he's certainly the most fanciable by by quite a stretch for me. Yep. Yeah. So I, I've gone Jason Day. So that's that's my top selection this week. Now, before we start boring all the listeners about discussing the big names, I will quickly run through. Next in the betting is John Rahm. He's a no for me. Ricky Fowler. Now, everyone knows I love Ricky Fowler. Love him to bits. He's a no for me this week. I just can't see Ricky Fowler winning this. Justin Rose is next up at 25s. He's a no. Did look very closely at him. Uh, Sergio Garcia at 25s. Again, he deserves a lot of respect for obvious reasons, but I've, I've gone past Sergio. And then we're down to the likes of Adam Scott, who I think a lot of people will back this week, but I just can't see it. 
can't see Adam Scott winning it. Henrik Stenson, who I look really closely at, but I still think he's troubled. Mm-hmm. Hideki Matsuama, who I think is badly out of form. Anyone that I've mentioned there that actually you think's got a really, really strong choice and I've kind of crossed them out too too hastily? I think your strongest no was for Ricky Fowler, and he's probably been my firmest yes out of all of those. I was uh, I was actively cheering for him to miss the cut last week so he didn't waste two days more playing that golf course yeah. and he could go and relax or go do a bit of practice or figure out those... I mean, it wasn't because he was play- his overall game was bad because I watched quite a bit of him. He was fortunately shown quite a bit on the, the golf channel. Yeah. He... It was just a couple of bad swings, so he'll get. He had a chance to go off and fine tune them with Butch and get out there. He's plenty long. Yeah. He is an excellent links and wind golf player. He's a brilliant putter, and he's got good imagination around the greens. So um, he he's my. I, I didn't go near the top four, but he was my uh, lowest odds bet and my biggest bet for the week. Um, I I agree with all yeah. of that, but I'm going to piss on your strawberries. Okay. Yeah. He's never got into contention at a major after a miscut. And you know, you have to admit, Ricky is a real momentum player. Mm-hmm. Now, bearing in mind that I tipped him up a few weeks at Memorial, so I know all this. Yeah, And I, I would have loved to have tipped him. But the fact, I think he made a really bad tactical mistake. Because when I first looked at the Southwind field, um, which was available um, a couple of weeks before the Southwind tournament. He wasn't going to play it. And then I was shocked. I read the interviews from Thursday at the Memorial. And the first thing he said was, oh, I'm going to play uh, I'm going to play TPC Southwind next week. And I think that he made a real error. I, d- I don't think he realised how well he was playing. And sure enough, he should have. He probably should have won, shouldn't he, the Memorial. He was leading going down the stretch and then Duffner overtook him. But I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not overly impressed with the amount of greens he's hitting at the moment either. So, we, we I hope you're right in a way. Because mm. I, I, w- I would like to see Ricky win his first major championship. And, theoretically, everything you've said is absolutely spot on. That course should suit him down to the ground. Because he can move the ball both ways. He's plenty long enough. Great links player. Get all that. But I just couldn't have him. Couldn't take yeah, him. I, I, can, I can hear the points why not, but uh, I'm just going to say, hell no, Steve. He's going to hell win. no. <laughs> let's, go for, let's go for a bit of bounce back ability and uh, yeah. that, that miss cut will be long forgotten. So, on to uh, our, who's your next pick or where are we going to from here? Well, my next pick is actually the next in the betting. He's 33 to 1, and I couldn't resist him. His stats are perfect. Um, he's playing some cracking stuff at the moment. He was fourth in all round at the Memorial. That was a great tournament, the Memorial. There's so many in the hunt there. In the end, Duffner took it. But I know he hasn't got a major championship top 10. But you just can kind of see that this guy is trending in the right right direction. He's a talented lad. He's got Jimmy Johnson on the bag. Steve Stricker's old um, caddy, who I think has really calmed him down and made him a lot more strategic. Justin Thomas. I'm going one and a quarter points each way, 33 to 1. Now, with a top 8 bookmaker like Coral or Paddy Power offering 33 to 1, I think that's a cracking cracking follow for me so Justin Thomas I love Thomas long enough he's a, he, he reminds me very much of Fowler actually he's a very similar golfer he's plenty long enough he's done really well at Kapalua and um, you know what we said about fairways wide up and down golf course I do like that link um, and he's been at this golf course he's been there since Friday he's been playing this golf course lots and lots and lots with the view to he now knows the course inside out. Don't forget, he also played here in the 2011, uh, 2011 US Amateur, where he, I think he made it to the second round of um, the match play. So he's got experience from 2011. He's been here for a long, long time. He must know that course quite well now. He can just relax now, start working on his skills rather than pounding around the course. I just think he's got a great chance this week. Justin Thomas. I I worry he's still a little bit emotionally volatile for something as testing as the US Open. Yeah, I can um, say that. He does. But then again, for somebody with his talent and the amount of wins he's had recently, that's probably reflected in a 33 to 1 price. So if the caddy can cool him down quickly after he gets a little hot under the collar, because let's be fair, it's going to happen to everybody this week. Yeah. They are all going to get tested at some stage. His. 
when he gets over this uh, this hot-headed thing that he tends to hang on to for several holes in a row, when he can limit that to maybe one more shot or actually get rid of it really quickly mm. after a poor shot, oh man, he's going to be so dangerous. And if if he can make that happen this week, then yeah, God, he'll he'll be there. I agree with you in a lot of ways. I'd actually prefer Thomas at whistling straights where we know that 16 to 18 under is going to win. But you know what? He's such a talented guy. And I think that Johnson is slowly turning that around in terms of his mental approach. And he's done well at places like uh, the PGA National in the past, Honda Classic. He's done well at... A couple of months ago, he did really well down in Mexico. And that was a tough old golf course. Memorial the other week, um, I think he was, you know, seven, it was it was eight, nine, ten under, and you were right in the mix. If this scoring is slightly higher, if it is around the eight to nine under mark that wins it, I think he's got a chance. If it was one over, two over, a real, you know, a mm. typical nasty US Open track, I wouldn't touch him with yours. <laughs> but yeah, money, that, yeah, money, I, I, that is, yeah, yeah, with your, yeah, with money, your money, clearly. But yes. That I've well, gone for Thomas on that basis. And this is all guesswork on the score as well. You know, it's the best educated guess that we can make, uh, folks, just in Absolutely. case. It's, it's just not a science. It could, yeah. the things, things could, could turn nasty, and those guys could put those pins slightly towards the edge of greens if they think... You know, the USGA has had a strong kind of reaction towards letting the score go away ever since Rory destroyed Congressional a few years back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They, if, they, they might try squeeze this to one, two under. You yeah. never know. My they side, can, they yeah. can do it. My psychology on this is that uh, the USGA were absolutely hammered after Chambers Bay. The players Uh, hated the place, right? They then went to Oakmont, which the players like, but it's a real vicious course, and they hated the way that Dustin Johnson was treated. I think Mike, and I keep reading Mike Day's savings, it's going to be the easiest US Open scoring-wise. If you compare this to Shinnecock Hills next year, that's going to be an absolute nightmare. He keeps saying the, the greens are really pure, and he thinks this is going to be a, a in terms of the U.S. Open. I'm not talking twenty under, but in terms of the U.S. Open, he thinks this is going to be the most scorable test that we've seen for a while, and that's that's straight from Mike Davis's mouth. So that's the reason I've gone for Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, who's next up? I've got Coke. Uh, I've, I've passed over Brooks. Yeah, I don't know. he just doesn't seem to be able to pull it all together this year no. so far, um, no. and that's oh. not a good thing going into a, no. a tough test to golf like this. Um, you, I don't know, he's a very likable guy and you want to see him do well, but it just doesn't feel like he's quite there at the moment for this year, for this year's event. So um, yeah, as on the yes-no thing, it's a no for me as well. Brandon Grace is next, and very interesting. He... He has that. He's well used to extremely long golf courses coming from Fan Court and being a South African. They all seem to be phenomenal wind players. He yeah. has a nice low piercing ball flight that can be very useful when hitting off the tee in the wind and also you know you know for control of trajectory in the wind. Um, what else? I mean, he's got previous in that he played very well at Chambers Bay, and I have a few other results here that he did well on. Yeah, don't forget whistling strikes. He did really well. Yeah, yeah whistling strikes. Yeah. Tied third. Yeah, so a lot of the things we talked about that you wanted in your arsenal this week, uh, Brandon Grace has at uh, fifty to one and with eight places. There, you know, he's been showing a little bit of form recently as well. You think he might actually get there, and uh, you know, he might grab one of those places for you, which you get you ten to one on your place, which is nice. And if he wins it, then happy days. So he's one of uh, he's one of my picks. When we were discussing this, uh, it was almost two weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, the fir- one of the first courses you and I and Paul Williams came up with was Fancourt down in South Africa. That's a that's that's a brute of a course, and he practices here. He uses that as his base, and I saw a picture the other day of him, you know, you know, doing his stuff on the range, and, and the, you could tell the the ground conditions were as dry and as firm as you like, yeah, really firm conditions. He was sixth for all round at Wentworth on his last outing, and he has been hitting tons of greens for his last three tournaments. And I am with you. I am I am on Brandon Grace fifty to one with Stan James. I've gone a point each way. They've gone seven places. Uh, a fifty odd Stan James, so I'm I'm concurring with Brandon Grace. I think he's got an awesome chance this week. Okay, um, there we go. Next in the betting is Thomas Peters. Could go either way. 
yeah. he he will contend or he'll miss the cut. I've yeah. got a feeling that he can't cope with this kind of test at the moment. So I'm I, I've, I've passed over Thomas. Yeah, I, I took a little bit of him a long time ago, I think 66s or 80s, um, because I thought, saw a little bit of value in the bet and figured he'd be a bit shorter, so happy to take a little bit of value. And it is a coin flip with him. It'll be a success or a, a spectacular failure. So uh, he's got the length. He likes playing in America. He might pull on his, you know, the Ryder Cup vibes and have a good week. It, Phil Nicholson. Yeah, he's not even okay, going to play. Sorry, not, he's not going to play, is he, no, Phil? No, he's not. Right. That takes that, the, that, that takes us to Kevin Kisner, who who is my next tip. I've gone for Kevin Kisner, fifty five to one point each way. It, seem, it seems like the entire world is following you on that <laughs> because there's a sea of blue on him on uh, odds checker here. They're not following me. It was already blue before I put my tips out there. But <laughs> he, he he was on my shortlist. Um, he was tenth in all round at Memorial. He clearly won at Colonial. And when you look at this, someone with that kind of form, I think he was twelfth at Chambers Bay. Um, yeah, he hasn't got a major top 10, but he's done very well at World Golf Championship level, which is clearly the step up to this. I just think the way he's playing, the way he's hitting tons of greens from distance, I think he's something silly like ninth for proximity to hold it on the tour this year. I just think this this course, he moves the ball's bo- ball both ways. He's quite, he's canny long off the tee, Kisner. Not short. I, I think this this will really suit him this week. Sneaky long. He he's is. sneaky long. Sneaky. He's no Jim Furyk. No, <laughs> only there's only one Jim Furyk. <laughs> the okay. next name, the next name in the betting. I don't think, I don't think you've been able to resist this guy. I don't know, but Alex Noren. Yeah, he's. I'd I'd like him more at sixty sixes than at fifties, but he's. You know what? He's a. I, I, I worry whether his ball shape is too much left to right in the air for this. It, you know, that. that if the wind is up, there's a lot of left or you know, tee yeah. shots on this. The wind is into and off the left, and he hits quite a powerful fade, and that thing can get away from you pretty quickly. Um, I thought he was going to go well there. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? And he kind of disappointed quite heavily. Um, so, I don't know, maybe it was just a little blip on the radar. He had his eye somewhere else, and maybe it was on this. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't tend to get, um, I Paul, Paul spotted this, the, the, the week after or the appearance after a win doesn't do any good. So I wouldn't rule him out on that basis. But yeah, I don't like, I don't like the hardcore fade that he shapes the ball with. I just no. don't, I just don't think he's got enough American experiences yet. And he's just, he's got his US, he's only made one cut out of four appearances in the US Open and that's... Mm, tells a story, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Um... I think, I, I we've said this, I think we're going to be all over him at the Open in a few weeks' time. I really do. I think I think the Open Championship is where Alex could really come to the fore. That that might be a sneaky one. Okay, so Paul Casey should do much better in these things. Disappoints the hell out of me. Green and regulation monster, but for some reason just does not like winning. Um, yeah. So probably a half-decent each-way shout, um, but might still disappoint you on that as well. He seems to have that effect on people and on me quite regularly when I go <laughs> near him. So yep. hopefully um, he doesn't burn me this week. Um, Charles Schwartzel, he could, you know what? Could be, showing a good bit of form last week and even you know, and, and his human side and flipping the bird at the ground after hitting a poor shot. Yeah. Uh, if anyone didn't see that on Twitter. He's he could be a good shout at sixty six to one. That's yeah. a that's a nice uh, for eight places. That's that's some decent odds on yeah, a is. golfer who's in form and uh, has pedigree. I'd like to see him hitting more greens, but yes, Charles, the kind of guy because he's got a bit of US Open pedigree. I think that's a decent shout at sixty sixes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to skip past Duffner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't think he's long enough. A lot of people are going to go with Duffin this week, and I just don't. And bear in mind, I was I, I looked at him very closely, Jason. I just don't think he can. He's long enough, and I don't think if this was a typical U.S. Open challenge, you know, a seven-two Oakmont or Merion or something, yeah. And don't forget when he won the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, that's a really claustrophobic. I think it's about seven-two, seven-six, seven-c, seven. I think that's too long for Jason Duffin. I'm just wondering if this course requires a bit too much artistic interpretation with your style of golf for yeah, yeah. Duffner. He seems a little bit more straightforward than that. Um, yeah. likes, cor- likes courses a little tighter, you know? Yeah, you got it. Um, I think so. so Cla- claustrophobic yeah. course, he loves it. I'm not he sure does. about this. 
Louis Gusthausen is an interesting one. Um, and it, it kind of in, a, in the Peters vein, I will always say that he's got a little bit more pedigree than uh, Peters. Uh, I think he's, he's a real coin flip guy. He could either go very well or just spectacularly explode and go out and shoot 80, 76 and be gone. Yeah. Um, so Did- he's, a t- he's always a tough one to, to pin down on when he's actually going to go well. Did really well at the players, didn't he? A few month, a few weeks back, but he hasn't really. I don't know. Yeah, it, he's a coin flip. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't go with him. And now we're down to the likes of your Kuchars, your Chapels, your Lowrys. I suppose. I suppose what I'll do now. Um, I'm going to just mention my last few tips now because of the mm-hmm. prices and these prices. You think about it. Yeah, I've gone for Jason Day at 14s, but then I've got a 50 to one shot. I've got a 55 to one shot. And it means that I've got a little bit of flexibility of who I, who I can back. You know, Thomas's 33s, it's not too sure. So I've, I've managed to squeeze another couple in. Kevin Chappell. I've gone to the chapel this week. I really think that this guy could come of age. He's got a major in him, I think. Um, that win he had a few months back at TP San Antonio, I tipped him up that week. He just His game is perfect for this because he's long. He can hit the ball both ways. He's got excellent long-range ball striking. Yeah, plus the guy can scramble and putt well. He's one of those all-round guys that I think's got a major game. So for me, bearing in mind as well that last year I'm trying to just remember the detail. He was second at the Players' Championship. Second, at, or he was um, leading the Tour Championship right down the stretch until Rory just nipped past him. He got in a playoff, didn't he, with Rory and Ryan Moore? Um, he was second at Arnold Palmer Invitational. You know, these are big, big tournaments. He was right up in the mix, and he was only beaten by people like Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, and Rory McIlroy. I just think the guy's progressing. Seventh at the Augusta a few, uh, a couple of months ago, and he was, was he fourth this last week at South Wind? Mm. He, he didn't even yeah. seem to be trying. And I think oh, the best uh, thing is, he's got that wind monkey off his back that seems <laughs> to be just the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, yeah. Yeah, he'll be a happy man going into this week based on last week's performance. I've definitely gone with Chapel, and the, my final selection is your old mucker. I couldn't resist a little bit of Shane Lowry. Yep. 70 to 1, a point each way with Stan James. I think that could be a huge price on Shane Lowry. He's um, showing flashes of uh, the old Lowry, you know, before the kind of shit he's gone through for the last few months let's say or pretty much since the US Open last year this is a little opportunity for a bit of a mental redemption he's been working with a mental coach he has a draw shaped ball flight he is a short game wizard he is superb in the wind and he will have no problem with blind shots undulating lies uphill downhill approaches Um, this will feel good to him this week I so, I'm, I'm, I hundred percent I hundred percent concur. He was 125 to one last year when he when he almost won this, and I I think 70 to one's a decent price point on him. If you think it through, um, he was fantastic at Wentworth, wasn't he? Didn't he go? He, he almost he was right in the mix at Wentworth, and then he flew straight to Ohio to Jack Nicklaus's tournament. You know, he doesn't really know the course, and he was he was right up there on the pace. I think he was top 12 or 13, finished 15th. But he was, let me quickly look, he was eighth in all round at Memorial. And that's a nice number. And he's hitting greens for fun. And Paul has always said to me, because he clearly follows him on the European tour, you can always get the green light on Shane Lowry when he starts hitting tons of fairways. And he's doing that at the moment. His total driving and his ball striking is top notch right now. I just think he's going to have a big week. Really big. And we know US Open, it's so, so specialised. You do get some players, year in, year out, your Jason Days, who can scramble, can hit enough greens. It isn't a putting contest. We know that. I think Larry's got a great shout this week. So he's my final uh, final pick this week. I'm on him as well. Can't resist. Just the Irish angle playing at a golf course called Aaron Hills. It's just with a, too with, much. A pub, <laughs> with a pub. With a pub? An Irish pub? I know, yeah. Yeah, he should probably save that for the celebrations on Sunday night. I have one final one, and he will win a major at some stage. Um, it's I swear this guy is like a vampire, sleeps between majors and comes out and just plays in them and has a good performance. It's Mark Leishman. Yeah. 
I, I don't remember I don't I never remember seeing him in between major championships but all of a sudden he's like oh hey how's it going I'm here and yeah, uh, he, uh, he's there thereabouts yeah. so no, um, what, he's just a big time player isn't he or seems yeah. to be anyway um, and at 100 to 1 that's that's just a great fun bet to have on side I think I tipped him up last year at Oakmont. He finished 18th, which sounds disappointing, but he was right in the mix. I think he was like right in the mix after 36 holes, and he, he kind of capitulated. But Leishman, yeah, he's got a major in him, that guy. He's one of the ones I fear. The other one I fear is Billy Horschel. And just, I'll give this as a, I mean, we're going to release this tomorrow, Tuesday morning, but Paul Williams has done some US Open long shots this this year, like he always does. Because it's true, you always get triple digits contending here. And he has gone, Billy Horschel, I've had I've had to back him on, the, on Betfair Exchange at 110 to 1, Horschel, because I'm worried about him. Billy Horschel, he's also gone Mark Leishman, and he's gone for Matthew Fitzpatrick. So there you go. That's Paul Williams's three triple-digit long-shot bets. Um, and yeah, if you guys, any of the listeners, um, think they can find this year's Eric Compton, who went, who placed at three hundred to one at Pinehurst, or or similar, if you've got any uh, inklings or you know tweets direct from the player, or you've got I don't know, your left elbow feels a bit tingly about them. Oh uh, yeah, tweet so, us at Bamford Goal for a good t- a good talk uh, spoiled. Please do tweet tweet us your views. Uh, we, it's a good talk spoiled as the uh, the podcast it's a good talk oh, golf yeah. is our Twitter handle I always so, go uh, listen, uh, listen don't worry about it I get it wrong Frank. as well so we're all I good mean, you could pretend you know what about Hao Tong Lee or uh, the one I noticed at a crazy price was this Jordan Nybrugger oh yeah mm-hmm. local Wisconsin lad uh, sixth at the Open Championship at St Andrews yeah that was the year that Dunn was leading going going off on Sunday yeah, geez, stranger things have happened. 300, so 300 to 1, Jordan Nybrugger. So he's a local. So he's going to have a yeah, yeah. literally a fan section following him around, a dedicated fan yeah. section cheering him around. He's uh, going to feel like a million dollars around there. And he finished fourth at the Erin Hills Invitational <laughs> at some random year. But yes, he's, he's actually playing his golf now on the Canadian PGA Tour. He's been doing really well. Yeah, so 300 to 1, and everyone will go... God, where did this Nybrugger come up from? Well, we've given you we've given you a steer, Jordan Nybrugger. <laughs> he could be that guy. Could be. Could, he could be. be. Anyway, and now I have to back him. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, we'll miss the few, cut, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sure. Look, it's worth worthwhile. You know, the the crazy punts they sometimes come off as as we see in golf betting system every week. It's amazing in there. Some of the betting that goes on yeah. is incredulous, but also you know. You got to give tip the cap because those bets came out of somewhere from that for the from those guys. So uh, some of these crazy prices will come up. You know that. It's oh, just, yeah. It's just knowing who. Absolutely. Right. I think that's just about it. Thank you for your time tonight, Barry. Absolutely Cheers, brilliant. I don't know when we're going to be back for our next podcast, but I think we're going to be doing them. The Irish Open isn't a million miles away, is it? Uh, so that's one that we'll definitely cover off. Um, of course, Barry is available on his Twitter handle, which I will get right this time. A good talk golf. I'm available at Bamford Golf. All of the commentary, all of the content we've been talking about is available at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Good night, Barry. Thank you. Cheers, Steve. Take care, everybody.